During this series of three broadcasts, of which this is the second, we're talking about the influences of heredity and environment upon us as Christians. And we were dealing in our last broadcast with the idea that some people think that we're, they are the way they are because of what others have done to them and that they're stuck with it. We were trying to show in that broadcast from the Word of God that the scriptures say that we can become wholly new persons in Christ, that regardless of whether we have learned all the deeds of the flesh or not, as we saw in Galatians 5, that it is possible progressively to put off the deeds of the flesh as in their place we put on the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and all of those marvelous qualities, including self-control, perhaps the one we need most in some respects, can all replace those deeds of impurity and sensuality and willfulness and self-centeredness that are listed under the deeds or the works of the flesh. Now, today we're going to move on just a little bit in that discussion. Uh, one writer asks this question. To what extent do childhood experiences affect adult behavior? What are the ages of a child when experiences are implanted so that they later become behavior factors? Of what significance are such behavior patterns with reference to one's responsibility in later years? Now, this is a letter with a number of very good questions in it. And the answer to those questions uh, will only be able to give to you on this broadcast and next in a very brief uh, form, but we'll try to be very pointed and clear from the Word of God about them. There's much misunderstanding about this question of childhood experiences, childhood impressions. What happened as a child uh, will influence me the rest of my life is what many, many people think ever since Freud began to tell us that the childhood was all determinative in our lives. Well, we have to, on the one hand, as Christians, acknowledge the tremendously significant place that childhood does play in our lives. The scriptures, for example, in Proverbs 22, 6, tell us that uh, we had better watch out in the way that a child is trained. Incidentally, that passage is often misused, I think. Uh, train up a child in the way that he shall go. When he is old, he will not depart from it, is the way that the King James uh, translates that verse. Literally, the verse runs something like this. Train a child after the manner of his way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I don't think that that passage means that uh, we have a promise that if we train him properly, He's never going to depart from his way. While proper training certainly has a tremendous influence over a child, I don't believe that we have an ironclad promise of that sort in this passage, nor should parents, when their children do go astray, merely look at their own training and the failures that they have uh, in that training and only accuse themselves of fault and of error if the child does go wrong. wrong. Uh, he bears a responsibility also as he grows, and we must acknowledge this fact. Probably what that verse is doing is warning us, not promising us. What the writer is probably saying to us, that if you allow a child to develop his own ways for himself as a child, that when it become, he becomes an older person, 
then it will be extremely hard, very difficult for him to change his way. Don't try to do it after he's already developed his patterns. Try to do it earlier while those patterns are still plastic and they're able to be molded much more readily. So it's a warning to get at this business of child training much earlier. Don't wait until after the problems develop. Anticipate the problems from the Word of God and train against them in accordance with the, uh, the principles of the scriptures themselves. So there's a very important warning in that passage, but not really a promise. Uh, only uh, The promise is only implicit the other way around. But you see, the key thing we need to recognize is that a person may change later on. He may change, though it becomes much, much harder for him to change, as this verse is saying. Nevertheless, he may change. And particularly, someone who has had a bad kind of imprint into his life on earlier days has not, as many people read it and wrongly think about it, has not had such a, a deep imprint in him made that it is set forever, that that imprint cannot be changed, that it cannot be altered, that it cannot be different. You see, uh, I don't care how you protest to me. Uh, you don't understand what my childhood was like. If you had parents like mine or if you had been in a situation like mine, I don't care how much you protest that to me. The Word of God tells me this. In 1 Corinthians six eleven. it says after describing in verses 9 and 10, the people who are characterized as fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, after describing people like that, it says to these Corinthians, such were, notice the past tense, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Now, I want to make it abundantly clear to you, therefore, that the Word of God says that all of these things can be put behind, even though from very early days we can get involved in these wrong patterns of living. And even though we can become so deeply involved and dominated by them that we can be described as persons who, whose whole life is influenced in such a dramatic way by them that we can be named adulterers or fornicators or drunkards or whatever it is in that list that is appropriate, even people like that can not only be forgiven, but can by the grace of God become new creatures in Christ and put behind them these very same characteristics which are so wrong, these ways of life which God says must go. Now, you see, this is the key thing. Now, remember that patterns are not just learned by children. It's not just a matter of some age at which an imprint is made or some kind of an experience is implanted in a person's life. Surely, Tremendous experiences can take place that can influence people for the rest of their lives if they wish them to do so, if they don't do anything about those experiences, if they don't handle them in a biblical fashion and re-implant new experiences with their God and with the people of God to replace those old, vivid, sinful experiences. Of course they can go on influencing them the rest of their lives, but they need not do so. That's what 1 Corinthians 6.11 assures us. That's the great hope and the tremendous promise that we have in that marvelous verse. Such were some of you, past tense. They can be put, those experiences, those difficulties, no matter how hard, how vivid, how deeply implanted and imprinted they may be, can be put behind. 
new ones can replace them. Children of all ages, 9 to 99, can learn new patterns. New experiences can be imprinted in us, implanted in our lives, can influence us because the Word of God and the Spirit of God can make the most vivid impression upon a person's life of all. Do you believe that what your parents, that what somebody else did to you, that what some experience with others did that influenced you as strongly as it did is more powerful than God himself reaching into your life and changing you and the word of God and the experiences with God that he will bring into your life? Our Father, help us to see this is true for Christ's sake. Amen.